Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 228, covering Prodigal Daughter and the Emperor's New Cloak. Hi, friends. This was a week. Yeah. It could be worse, Matt. It could be much, much worse. I mean, it could be, but... Not by much. I mean, I was talking about this I was talking about this on Twitter the other day when I was watching it, and my mm-hmm. wife... Uh, to remind me of what I could be doing, sent me a picture of Quark in a dress, so... Yeah, but this still had some of what made that terrible. Mm-hmm. 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 It had un- unfortunate jokes about sexuality. Yup. Lots of Ferengi bumbling. Yup. A lot of this. Uh, Bye! Duh. Oh, brother. But then, but then also in the other one... Uh-huh. We got a lot of Norvo. We sure did. We may have gotten more Norvo in that last episode than we have in any other episode of Star Trek ever, and that is saying something. I think we need to add a bullet point to Memory Alpha for the episode Prodigal Daughter. There is more Norvo per per minute in this episode than in all of Star Trek combined. There is so much Norvo in this episode. Miles of Norvo. Let Let me tell you about the episode. Yeah, tell me about Norvo. No, it's called Prodigal Daughter, but it should be called Norvo! Exclamation <laughs> point. At least if it was called Norvo! Exclamation point, we'd remember it. That is true. Actually, Prodigal Daughter, there's only like two characters that could be a daughter, and Kira's parents are dead. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Odds are not good that she's going to come back. I, I guess she could go back in time. Well, and she did. Ah, uh, yeah. It's not, it could be that episode, but it's not. Yeah. So that's good. But this is what happens in this episode. Chief O'Brien has been away on secret business, so naturally when his transport returns, his one true love is there at the airlock to greet him. What? No, not Keiko. I mean Julian. Don't believe me? Watch Julian's face when he realizes the chief is not actually on that transport. My dog never looked that sad, and I have one of those hound dog types that always looks sad. Since Jadzia is no longer with us, the burden of worst secret keeper has fallen to old Jules. So he goes to tell the captain about O'Brien's secret dealings. Remember Bilby, that dead Orion mobster dude from last season? You know, the dude whose cat Miles took responsibility for? No? Well, he was pretty forgettable. But it turns out we still care about him despite that and despite the fact that he's dead. Apparently Miles is off looking for his wife. Widow. Whatever. Cisco, realizing that this has turned into another boring Orion Syndicate episode, is justifiably pissed. And so he sends his very best secret agent out to find the chief. And that agent is... Ezri Dax. Actually, it ends up making sense, because it turns out her mother owns a mining company on some planet where the Orions do a lot of criming. And, to Ezri's credit, she puts aside serious concerns about dealing with her overbearing mother and goes to look for the chief. Overbearing mother, eh, Ezri? knew there was a reason I found you so relatable so quickly. Anyway, a bunch of family drama happens, which is mildly interesting, but doesn't make for a super compelling summary. Then O'Brien turns up, and he's not happy because Bilby's widow is dead, which I guess, which I guess makes Bilby's corpse a widower? I'm not sure how these things work. Then there's more family drama, and we find out that Ezri's artist loser of a brother killed her. Uh, that That's Bilby's wife, by the way, not Ezri. Ezri's still alive. Uh, and basically their overbearing mother drove him to do it. And then, Ezri, and then Ezri gets in a starship and travels many light years away from all this horrible drama, never to return. I may have actually saluted the TV screen when this happened. Mm. Yep. <clears throat> Ezri's mother... Yeah. And this is my good thing. Yeah. Ezri's mother is perfect. She is. The writing and acting. Yep. Like, from the second she shows uh, that she shows up on the show, the first words out of her mouth is uh, thinly veiled criticism. Yep. And it goes through the entire episode. It does. <laughs> to all three children and anyone else she deals with that isn't her children. Including Chief O'Brien, the nicest yep. guy in Star Trek. The, really, the, the guy that no one should be criticizing Except maybe his horrible wife, and really she shouldn't either, but she does. Mm-hmm. That's her job. No, like he has been, um, he has been not under arrest and undercover for about ten minutes. When... And looking for what? What was her name? Uh, Mil Milva. <laughs> Milva. Was it Milva Bilby? <laughs> Milva Bilby. That is completely <laughs> not it, but it might as well be. 
Sorry, nothing gets past Norvo, <laughs> who was Esri's brother. We got Norvo. We got we got Milva Bilby. <laughs> it's not Milva, but it might as well be. We got and then, we got and then, Fingling and then, the Doppel. <laughs> and then Esri's other brother, Janelle. Janelle. The boy's name. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But no, you're right. As soon as O'Brien shows up, she's like yelling at him. Yeah, well, it's just like, well, we have a thing that needs doing. Do you want to do it? Well, you know, he just got back from uh, being undercover. Oh, well, how long do you need? 20 minutes? 30? I'm on a schedule here. Yeah. Tapping her wrist even though there's no watch and there hasn't been a watch for, you know, nope. 200 years. Oh, Lord. Yeah. No, she's she is great. Like and and again, writing and casting both. Oh, the like actress they got the to play her is spot on too. Like. Yeah, she is. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I wasn't exactly subtle in my summary when I alluded to my mom being a bit like that. Yeah. And and there there are mothers. Some people have mothers like that, and I'm one of them. Yeah. And, yeah. She's very much like that. Uh huh. They just they nailed that character type very very well. Yep. No, <laughs> in my notes I'm like somebody on the writing staff knows exactly. Yeah. Somebody on the writing staff is working through some issues. Well, it's nice because typically in Star Trek and in a lot of like genre fiction, I would say, characters have daddy issues. Mm -hmm. You don't always see someone with mommy issues, so it's nice to turn that around. No, the mom is the nice one who calls you Jules and takes you away from your horrible father. Yeah, and then she goes off to prison too for some reason. Yes. (laughs) Probably out by now, actually. Maybe. Well, too bad we don't have time to get to that. Yeah. We've got, like, four more episodes, and then we're going into the big long finale, yep. so uh, too bad. Yeah, that's a shame. Strange that, uh, I guess this is a spoiler, Julian's parents don't tie into the uh, to the big, like, end-of-the-war storyline uh, plot. Dude, don't ruin it for people who haven't seen it. They could be waiting for uh, Julian's dad to show up at the last second in the Millennium Falcon to save the day. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> you are a very bad man! <laughs> Look, he's the guy who said that on Seinfeld. Oh, okay, dear, he is, too. Yeah. He actually had an English accent on this show, mm-hmm. so I apologize for that. I'm coming um, to save you, Jules. That's right. Here it is, kind of voice. Hello, Jules. How's it going? I came with my best friend, Chewbacca. We're going to save I'm you Michael life. Kane. Uh, my good In thing. In the Wirrellinium Falcon. <laughs> my good thing. Yes. I still don't love O'Brien's solo adventures. I'm pretty sure that was my bad thing last time we did. O'Brien becomes so, yeah. a pirate. But I actually do like how these two sort of unrelated stories, O'Brien following up on this whole Bilby thing and Ezri's like family connect. Yeah. Like if if we gotta do people go off on solo non Starfleet stories, it's cool that they're connected and it didn't feel contrived at all. See, it felt really convenient to me that just like Really? Yeah, just like he he shows up on this planet looking for uh, looking for this woman, and she just happens to be working for Esri's family. Well, okay. Once you get into the to the nuts and bolts of it, yes. I mean, I but say the, you know, working for, but uh, yeah, no, on the payroll. Uh-huh. But it's, I mean, okay. When when you really get into the details of it, yeah, it is a little contrived. Mm. But the initial thing that brings her there is like, well, he's on this planet, and you have a connection to this planet. That doesn't seem that contrived. Well, you know, planets are very small and don't have many people living on them. Uh, they might not. It's a mining colony. I suppose that's just, true. It might just all be people who, invo- who are involved in the mining industry, and that's it. And, and of course, the river full of dead bodies. Oh, God. There's a, there's a moment in this episode uh, where uh, Chief O'Brien's talking to one of the cops. Yeah, the cop delivers Chief O'Brien to Esri's family. Mm-hmm. And... They're just talking about uh, about Milva's dead body. It's not Milva. Positive it's not Milva. And the Milva. cop goes, we pull a dozen bodies out of that river a month. Do you think they're all linked to the Orion Syndicate? And I have to say, probably. I think they probably are. Twelve bodies a month. Now, I'm not a man who knows, you know, how many bodies end up in a river you know, in my no, local you, area. You've never been, you, like, uh, uh, corpse statistics has never been your strong. It's really not. You'd think, no. but, like, it's just not something I ever took an interest in. But it seems to me that 12 bodies a month is a lot of bodies. Marika Bilby, by the oh, Mar- way. Right, Milva Bilby. Right, Milva Bilby. I just know there's some nerd screen. No, that's not her name. Why do you say that's her name? That's not her name. Why do you think I keep saying it? Yeah, I know. You, you look. If you're that kind of nerd, you shouldn't be listening. To this show. 
We're going to get everything wrong now just to bug you. But I'm just picturing this river choked with corpses. Yeah, it's lousy with corpses. And I I mean my my thought was this cop's clearly on the tape. Oh, clearly, yes. And the the syndicate is murdering all those bodies, but he's like, well, there's no such thing as the mafia? What? <laughs> you don't say his name ever. Where do, yeah. Where do you think these bodies came like- from? The the mafia? What? I, I'm sorry. I have real problem. I have a real problem uh, considering the idea that, you know, people are making organized crime. Yeah. I mean, these are all just people who coincidentally <laughs> fell into the river. Look, we put up a sign that said, be careful, don't fall into the river, and they still keep doing it. Miles, this was clearly a boating accident. <laughs> this was no boating accident. I can't close the river. It's the It's the 4th of July. What does that even mean here on New Sydney? No, that's the thing. It's not even New Sydney. They all left New Sydney. Oh, right, right, right. I, I couldn't, like, I don't know. I suppose, you know, since we're doing a show where we're talking about all this stuff, I suppose I should pay attention to such I things. I just really couldn't be bothered. That's the thing. Overall, like, I again, my, my good thing is, in general... We, at least we didn't get two solo adventures. At least we didn't get Esri's family and... O'Brien, like, following up to O'Brien's mob thing. They kind of consolidated him into one yeah. episode. And I kind of like that. I like that it wasn't just Ezri's solo adventures, because about a third of the way through her experience, like, O'Brien shows up, so good. At least we have two familiar See, people. my only problem with that is that all Chief O'Brien does is sort of watch, you know? Yeah, well, that's true, too. This is no, I, I had a lot of problems. He's like, he's like when you're when you're over at your friend's house and the family all starts yelling at each other, yep. and you're just stuck there. <laughs> You don't know what to do. Yep. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I, in general, I did actually like how things sort of tied together. But then it got a little too neat where, oh, it just so happens that this woman you were looking for just so happened to be killed by, my bad thing, Norvo. Oh, Norvo. Norvo is not a good commando name, is my bad thing. I, the thing is, I, I don't have a problem with the character. No. But... The character was good. He's a he's an artist whose mother is super critical and says artist isn't really a, a career, mm-hmm. which is true. And uh, this this coming from someone who's trying to make a career out of being creative, but well, I mean, you wouldn't know anything you know, about this, right? No, of course not. No, I, and and in fairness, my horrible mother does not say that to me. <laughs> she truly doesn't. But um, no, I mean, I it, it honestly like it was. A, it's a good character and good actor too. Uh, dude played uh, Ted on Mad Men mm. and. Ted's a largely forgettable character who's sort of like, you know, you got Don Draper who's got like a secret past and he's doing all kinds of like, like sleeping around and, you know, like he's, he's not a good dude. Mm-hmm. And then you got Ted who is also at this advertising firm who is basically presented with the same life and he's a, he's a good guy. <laughs> like he's, he's, he's not very interesting, but it's like, you don't have to be a sleaze bag to be in this life. Yeah. That's just what Don Draper does. Well, that, and that's why Ted doesn't have a TV show about him. Yeah, exactly. Ted just kind of wanders in every now and then and says, oh, we're selling the company? That's cool. I'll get some money. Or if and it, that's it. Or if he does, his TV show is just called Men. <laughs> yes. But a good actor, though. And, and like, he, he's got these big, blue, soulful eyes that, one, look a lot like Esri's, which make him look like her brother. Mm-hmm. But, two, make him look kind of sad. And like seriously, he he looks just kind of sad, and and it works for he him. He looks like the world has beaten him down. Yeah, which it has. <laughs> turns out the character is like that. Uh-huh. And yeah, his mom's making him keep the books for this mining operation, which he's a fucking artist. He doesn't know how to keep the books. Yeah, exactly. Like he he like he has no interest and no talent for it. Right. And he certainly doesn't know how to cook the books no. to, like, make it look like... Because what happened was they got m- m- Mumbo Bilby, is that it? Yeah, M- B- Milby Bilby. <laughs> right. They're, they're like, paying her to do something. I don't they're not paying know. her to do anything. They're, the, the Orion Syndicate uh, is doing that thing where the mob will pay you for the rest of your life because uh, your husband got killed doing mob right. stuff. But they, they were funneling it through the mining yeah. operation. So she was on the payroll, and uh, Norvo was not a good enough creative bookkeeper to keep that. Like, like O'Brien looks at it for five seconds mm-hmm. and says, oh, this is obviously what happened. It's like he basically listed it under mob, mob payments. Yeah, payments comma mob. Yeah. So there's that. But in general, like, I do I do like the character. I like the actor. 
I like the twist that he's the killer mm-hmm. because really the the casting like the casting in this episode was quite good overall. Oh yeah, like the mom was good, the brothers were good. the The other brother with the girl's name, mm-hmm. Janelle, yeah, um, looks just in the face looks mean. Like he's got a constant scowl. He looks like a mean dude. Yep. He's probably the one. If there's a body, he's probably the well, one. Well, he's did absolutely it. he's absolutely played as the one who I will keep the business running no matter what. Yeah, mother must be happy about this. Ugh. Yeah, I almost said mother must keep satisfied, and I I, I steered away from that. But um, the the but and Norvo, like I said, has this sort of big blue sad eyes, and like you don't expect him to be the killer, and it's actually kind of like a nice little like oh huh he did it, mm-hmm. who knew? And he was just like, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I mean, that's the only thing that's gonna keep mother happy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. I'm going to say this for Norvo. 30 years in jail is probably going to be very good for him. Mm, yeah. They let you paint in jail. Do they? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you'll find some fluid somewhere. You, like, I think you're allowed to have, like, like they're very pro-hobby. I've, I've and never especially, been... like, a Starfleet jail. Well, that's the thing. This won't be a Starfleet jail. This is some colony. Oh, that's somewhere. right. It's not a Starfleet world. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, he might... Federation world. Never mind. Things are looking bad for uh, old Norvo. Mostly, we just like Norv, like th- that his name was Norvo. <laughs> we said Norvo so A many lot times. Of times. Yep, and and that really kept us going. Uh-huh. This one. <laughs> we we needed Norvo to get through this episode. Yes, thank you, Norvo. Oh, we owe uh, a, we owe a debt of gratitude to you, Norvo Tegan. We salute you, Norvo, and you too, Milva Bilby. <laughs> I think you'll find it's Milby. Oh, right. Of course. I'm terribly sorry. Marilvy Bilby. <laughs> Marilbo <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. King of the Wild Front. <laughs> Marilbo. <laughs> so, really, we, this episode should have been called Norvo and the River of Corpses. <laughs> <laughs> if we were do, if we were still doing alternate titles, that's what uh, we would call it. Oh god. Yep. So what else? What else, indeed? Okay, let's see here. Um, I, as I as I mentioned my in my thing. summary. Oh, oh yeah, go ahead. We have uh, we get a couple of shots of the uh, Tegan family uh, uh, household. Yeah, and which uh, the the establishing shots I thought quite good. Not that typical city shot that we always. Oh no, get. very nice. Um, this one was apparently nominated for an Emmy for. Uh, yeah, art direction. Art direction. That was it. Thank you. Um. So yeah, we get a shot of the uh, the Tegan family house, and it is literally a mansion dangling over a gigantic mine shaft. Just... Well, yeah, it's like one of those one of those house on stilts, like you see on yep. like the the side of mountains in California. Yeah, yeah. Except over a, a mine, which just... I thought was cool, but Matt apparently no, it's yeah, just dangling out over a mine shaft in the middle of a hideous desert. It looks like the friggin' Bluth house. The penthouse, or the model home? No, the model home. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, wait a minute. The Bluth house. It's got an ostrich in it, but there's really nothing wrong. <laughs> sorry. I, w- sorry. I say that my I instantly go to the just the model home sitting out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. That makes sense. No, I don't I know. Don't really they're they're of... rich. They're, they're rich and they're showy. And I feel like they would build a ridiculous, giant, showy house, you know. See, I th- I, but I feel like they would it. build it somewhere where, you, where it could be shown. Yeah. To the workers. Yeah. Look. The, we pay you. We own you. Oh, yeah, I could see that. And it towers over them. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, it worked for me. And I, I, even if it practically doesn't make sense, which you're not entirely wrong, it, it looks cool. Well, I it mean. does look like it's about to tip over into the, into the mine, but that doesn't bother me. I'm sure they've got, Yeah, but got there like, are real houses that look yeah, like yeah. that, Yeah, yeah. No, too. and I'm sure in, like, the amazing future of Star Trek, you can get repulsors or something to keep your house from falling over. Uh, Matt, repulsors are Star Wars technology, I think you'll find. Really? There's no yes. repulsors in Star Trek? Well, they might be, but they're not called repulsors. Oh. I'm retiring from Star Trek. <laughs> well, enjoy enjoy prison with, with uh, Norvo. I think I might. <laughs> Get right. some good painting done. Oh, there's a, there's a weird thing at the beginning where uh, it turns out Ezri is responsible for the crate of gawk that Jadzia ordered. Oh, uh, yeah. To, to enjoy with... Uh, with with I almost called him General Chang. That was weird. Martok. 
Good old General Chang. Yeah. From well, three no, years was, ago. Yeah, from, you know, from like a hundred years ago. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe um, Curzon hung out with him. Almost certainly, because he worked on the um, the peace accords. Yeah, but that guy tried to sabotage the peace accords and then died. Right, but I'm sure they at least had dinner together once or twice. Yeah, maybe. But, um, no, I, apparently Jadzia ordered a crate of Klingon food that now Ezri is responsible for paying for? I is guess. Is this how that works? Like, the Trill, like, so if someone in a pre, if a previous host did some stupid thing and ran up some bills or did a crime, you get arrested or you have to pay the bill or whatever? Uh, I mean, apparently, like, there's that episode a couple back where, uh, uh, Esri tells uh, Quark that he still owes her ten strips of latinum, so... Uh, yeah, but I think she was just fucking with him. I'd like to believe that. I really would. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe this is Trill tradition. You fucking pay off... <laughs> you, you're responsible for uh, all of the crap the, the last guy bought. I'm disappointed you didn't say Trill-dition. Ooh, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's take this episode over. <laughs> okay. Delete all this, Hi, we'll friends. start... <laughs> Delete all this, we'll start over. I'll just uh, I'll just double up the us uh, saying Norvo for twenty minutes and okay. we'll start here. Hang on, I'm going to tackle the world weary sigh I took when we got in when we started. Oh yeah, <sighs> Norvo, 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 Norvo. All right, okay. now that we're all caught up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's strange to me that she's I guess responsible for stuff that Jedzia did. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that uh, her mom kind of rolls her eyes at the whole like join drill thing yep. like. We're seeing people outside that elitist, like, little program, yep. and it's like the rest of Trill don't care at all. Like, oh, you changed your name, huh? Oh, that's what you people do? Mm. Ugh, I like whatever. that I like that idea a lot, because we, yeah. um, we've spent... No, we've heard that there's, like, 5% of Trill get joined, and the rest of them don't. Yeah, so. and, like, that the rest of the, like, the non-joined Trill are kind of treated like shit. Yeah, so when we see stuff from their perspective, this woman, like, makes a good life for herself, claws herself yeah. up with a business, and does not give a fuck about those, those like, worm just, people. I like that as, a like, a common sentiment on Trill, where it's just like, oh, we're, the rest of us are fucking sick of this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do you. Live all your lives and live in a pond and whatever. We're going to be yeah. over here making money. Yep, or, you know, having sex or, like, whatever. Whatever like, the making hell we art. do. Like, whatever it is we do. Yeah, but doing like doing life things. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I like that. I like get that a lot. one apparently. Yeah, I I do too. Um, I have a note. Does anyone's family approve of them being in Starfleet? Uh, only if those only if they are former Starfleet people. Yes. that's the that's the thing. Like, if you join up, if you join into Starfleet, like it's a it turns into the family business. Yep. And everyone else is just like. I don't know. Ben was never disappointed that Jake didn't want to go. Into I guess that's true, but Ben is an, an incredible father. That is true. <laughs> ben Ben is willing for to let his son be a writer. <laughs> that's true, which is almost as bad as Norvo the painter. Mm-hmm. Almost, but not quite. I mean, geez, at least with writers, you're typing something. Come on, yeah. Norvo. What are you doing, splattering paint all over a canvas? What is this, kindergarten? Well, he did have one painting with literally with stick figures on it. I love that so much. There's um in the most passive aggressive thing ever, his mom takes uh, a painting that he flat out hates and hangs it up in the front hall for everyone to see when they come in. Yep. So he gets wasted and draws stick figures on it and it's kind of delightful. Yep. See, I I learned that like I figured that out eventually, but at first I thought the painting was of stick figures in the first place. Oh, I <laughs> And I like that much better. <laughs> we just like Star Trek paintings. I guess so. Between this and last week's... Last uh, week's uh, Gul Dukat. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Gul Uh Well, we're taking this over. <laughs> All right, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast. No, I think you'll find it's the Post-Atomic Norvo. Ugh. Oh, that reminds me. What 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 does Norvo remind you of, please? <laughs> no, no, me making a terrible joke about our title. Oh, all right. Uh, apparently, the the president of the United States, uh-huh. uh, Mr. Barack Obama, uh, has appeared on uh, Mark Maron's WTF podcast. Now that I know he'll do podcasts, I really, really want him to come on this show because this may be the last chance in our lifetimes that we will see a a sitting president who is a big nerd. That is true. So I would like for one episode for us to be the POTUS Atomic Horror. 
and for the president to sit in and, and my good thing <laughs> was Norvo. That guy's delightful. <laughs> and so on. I'm a fan. I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, fan of Norvo. So anything else? Uh, it's just, uh, oh, no, we did that. Uh, no, that's it. Okay. My quote, uh, unsurprisingly, involves their mother. And it is this. Mother disapproves of suicide. Which was meant to be a joke, but still made it. Uh-huh. All right. Let us... Oh, do we have to? No, you know what? Let's just call it here. <laughs> okay. What if we just keep starting the episode over and over again, and so we never actually reach the second half? So the Enterprise... So we just keep getting, ha- like, halfway there. Yeah, we'll just keep blowing up the Enterprise. Yeah, and we keep getting 50% closer, but we'll never be there. Uh-huh. No, you wrote a summary. You don't want to waste all these words, do you? I did write I mean, you a summary. Put, you put the work into it. Uh-huh. So you might as well tell us about The Emperor's New Cloak. That's a terrible title. It really is a terrible title. Yep. <sighs> all right. Rom is running around like an Andorian horse's ass because the Nagus is missing, but Quark is too busy pining over Ezri to particularly care. So when Ezri arrives at Quark's quarters that night with dire news about the Nagus's disappearance, it's really a complete surprise. To anyone who skipped out on their writing for TV 101 class, <laughs> the Ezri in question is actually Hot Mir Resby from Ezri from the lesbian, I mean gay, I mean Mir universe, and she's running a caper to steal a cloaking device for the Klingon Cardassian Trill apparently alliance, who are holding Zek hostage until Quark and Rom can provide said cloaking device. This raises the question of doesn't Zek have people to do this sort of thing? Why does he always turn to his idiot stepsons for this crap? You cannot tell me that in a universe where the Cardassians, the Romulans, and the friggin' Federation all have covert teams of espionage guys, the Ferengi Alliance is the only civilization who plays it fair. Good point. Anyway, Quark and Rom steal Martok's cloaking device because they apparently they desperately want to be dead. Only ten minutes into the episode, and I already don't particularly blame them. Anyway, they escape with Ezri into the Mirror Universe, where they meet up with Ezri's partner, kind and loving Brunt. This is because we have killed off almost every other character who could possibly matter in the Mirror Universe. A point hammered home when Mir Vic Fontaine, the real guy, comes in, demands to know what a hologram is, and is then shot to death. Ain't that a kick in the head. Anyway, Quark and Rom are picked up by evil Julian and affable Smiley O'Brien, who take the cloaking device for themselves. And then it turns out that evil Ezri is fucking evil Kira, because evil Kira fucks everybody. And evil Kira murders good Brunt and takes the cloaking device to evil Worf and evil Garrick on their evil ship, and they throw Quark and Rom into evil prison with the Nagus, who came to the Namir universe to do some business, because it is incredibly easy to travel to another universe. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then evil Kira kills good Brunt and then makes evil Ezri realize that she's not actually evil, she's an anti-hero in the greatest 90s tradition. Evil Garrick has Rom installed the cloaking device because nobody in the mirror universe knows what a cloaking device is because in a universe where everyone is as devious as they come, nobody thought to invent something that made one's ship sneakier. This is what happens when you kill everyone who displeases you, mirror universe. You should all be ashamed of yourselves. Then Evil Garrick, then Evil Worf sends Evil Garrick to murder the Ferengi, but in what is mo- easily the most ridiculous thing in this entire ridiculous episode, they outsmart him by telling them to throw him to throw them into the Briar Patch and then escape. Then they join up with Ezri and escape, and maybe they blow up Worf's ship or something. I don't know. I honestly stopped paying attention, and anyway, the episode ends with Ezri maybe going to make out with Lita, so whatever. <laughs> we, we end with uh, a brief shot of evil Lita, who, mm-hmm. uh, like, I, I, I like uh, Chase Masterson. I like the character of Lita, but like a few other people on the show, she has a very limited range. And uh, playing mm-hmm. evil, not really in that range. She, she gives Her- this... <laughs> Billy Idol sneer. Yeah, she literally comes up to and goes, grrr, into the camera. Yeah. I mean, you know, she looks super hot because everyone looks like they're in a fucking late 80s metal video. Yep. And, <laughs> L- you know, I will say giant this for the hair, way too much eye makeup, and lots of mm-hmm. cleavage. Yeah, no, I will say this for the Mirror Universe. I like the aesthetic. Uh, That's about I really all I don't. like, but... I really don't. I mean, you, you nailed it when you said as 90s as it could get because, you know, mm-hmm. curve knife, everything's like pointed yeah like it's it's not great and uh esri really looks like uh ursa from the uh from superman 2 she really does when i was watching this the first time i was trying to figure out who she reminded me of and you hit it right on the head with uh yeah 
It's uh, the the chick following General Zod, or a general in Superman Two, the original Superman Two with yeah. uh, Christopher Reeve. It was General Zod, and then he had kind of a hot, short-haired chick with him in leather. And that's her, mm-hmm. and then the big yep. mute Beardo. By the way, it's uh, that's not good. It's not good cleavage. It's droopy cleavage. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. Um, oh God. I, uh, well, the good news for us uh-huh. is that we're done with the mirror universe until nearly the end of Enterprise. Like we're, yep. we're this is the last one for a long time. So I am good. I am relieved by that. Uh, I was shocked to learn that the writers of DS9 were also relieved by that. Apparently, by this point in the series, they were just sick to death of the idea. Well, I mean, who would have any control over what the show writes about? I mean, certainly not the show's writers. Yeah. It's. I was. Who I was, could literally make an episode about anything they want? Uh-huh. I mean, once again, we're halfway through the season. Have you have you seen Odo for more than a five minute setup at the beginning to tell you what the episode's going to be about? No, he's whole spent, season? as far as I can tell, all of his time at Quarks with a group of friends, uh, talking about how in love he is with Kira. Yeah, that's what he's been doing for the last like ten episodes now. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting like like I'm thinking of a bunch of main characters like once Cisco went through the the conclusion of his little emissary arc at the very beginning of the season he's kind of faded into yeah, the background he's been too spending most of his time in his office from what I can tell yeah and like I mean I could name a few other main characters that we barely even see mm-hmm. but but better go back to the mirror universe it's the last season and we gotta do this again for some reason yeah, no who, who should we we've only got one season left of this show who should we spend all our time with well Esri the new chick that's Nog, fine I understand Vic Fontaine I, I understand the Esri thing mm-hmm. because she's new and we want to get to know her a yeah. bit and we can do sort of deal with our grief of Jadzia at the same time like that's fine yeah but and Nog that was a good story so that's okay but Vic eh. yeah mirror universe yeah eh. And again, we're not actually sick of Vic yet. We should be, but we, we're not. We really this, should be. Now we are because my bad thing. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Mirror Vic. Yeah. What the hell? Even the Memory Alpha entry on him says it is not specified how this is possible. I love that. I love it. Those nerds. Just don't, even like yeah. Even Memory Alpha is just like. Uh. Yeah, we don't know. Although that said, speaking of nerds explaining things, mm-hmm. our friend Brian, regular yep. regular guest on the show, Brian Lynch has written to us, uh, and typically we save these for the supplementals, but because this is pertinent to our conversation right now, I told him I would read it on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, Alan, Matt. I'm sure that this weekend on your podcast, you're going to be discussing the horrible appearance of Mirror Universe Vic Fontaine. You are correct. Or, it, or is it? See, this has confused me for quite some time as well, but in a recent episode of Pa, well, not that recent, season four, I think, gave me the answer I've been seeking in the form of emergency medical hologram. In the episode Dr. Bashir, I presume, we meet Julius Zimmerman, the programmer behind the uh, EMH. He has, we, we learn, modeled the appearance, voice, and some mannerisms of the EMH after himself. I also note that we have never learned the last name of Felix, Vic's programmer. Since he never directly responds to Vic, only Fontaine, I put it to you that we are not seeing the mirror universe of 1960s lounge singer Vic Fontaine, but the mirror version of 2370s holo artist Felix Fontaine. I hmm. eagerly await my no prize. That's that's possible. That's not bad. I'll give you that. But I, it's still my bad thing because the show maybe could have made that clear. Mm-hmm. No, instead look, of just here's wh- wait what? <laughs> no, it's still it's still fucking stupid, and I doubt the uh, writers put that much thought into it. No, they they probably had an answer in mind. They just didn't tell us what it was, and like mm-hmm. that kind of thing only works if you tell us. Like Brian has done a good job of trying to explain it, but we shouldn't have to do mm-hmm. that. If you're gonna say no. Here's a crazy nutty thing in this universe. You need to tell us what what it is. Uh-huh. So, ugh. just yeah. Ugh. And really, speaking of crazy nutty things, this kind of ties into your bad thing. Mm. <sighs> All right, hang on. So, Rom spends the entire episode just poking holes in the plot of the mirror universe, and good mm-hmm. lord, it was annoying. Um, like I was saying, I was reading up on Memory Alpha, and th- at this point, they had made a deliberate choice to have Rom be the stand-in for the fans who are annoyed that the Mirror Universe makes so sense, or makes no sense, excuse me. But it like so at this sense. point, at, at at this point, like having having Rom, who by the way is infuriating in this episode, mm-hmm. um, so he's Rom. Yeah, do you remember briefly when he was not terrible? 
Yes, for one episode between season five and six, I think. Yeah. Mm. I missed that. Anyway, no, he just spends the entire episode just like, that doesn't make any sense, brother. Wait, so if you're bad here, then that means you're good. Wait, what? uh, But you're doing a good thing that, look, don't. Wait, so the, yeah. You are already pulling threads of a very tattered sweater, you know? Like, the episode is just going to crumble around you if you keep poking at it like this. Right. The thing is, if you're doing this premise again, mm-hmm. it it could, in theory, be funny to have a character say, well, this doesn't make any sense, and why mm-hmm. why why do we all know each other in this universe when everything's so very different? That seems mm-hmm. highly improbable. But like, isn't instead, it weird that, Jed, that Jedzia died in our universe and then apparently died here, too, and then Esri showed up? Like Esri, who is not carrying Dax, by the way. No. Because she even says, Dax, who's Dax? Mm. Like, this is Esri not with the symbiont. But yeah. but her character just happens to show up in this area around the same time. Yeah. What? It's that just doesn't... like, uh Yeah. I, 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 don't pick at the scab, okay, is basically what my bad thing here is. Like, we, well, we get it. The, the original idea, mm-hmm. the, the very first Mirror Mirror, which, by the way, the, the writer of that, uh, Jerome Bixby, died not too long before... This episode aired, and so they dedicated it to him. Well, this is so, a fitting tribute to him. This is his lasting legacy now, so good, <laughs> good job. <laughs> kind of like how they dedicated Star Trek VI to Gene, and Gene hated Star Trek VI. <laughs> um, but the initial idea was one of those sort of throwaway 60s, like, don't think about this too much. It's just a fun, like, we just want to give you a fun, evil enterprise for an episode, and then everyone goes yeah. home again. Like, yeah. really, we shouldn't think. It's kind of like don't really think about how tribbles work because that probably doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. And don't, you know, like certain episodes of that show were not really meant to be nitpicked in the way that we nitpick things now. Yeah. And so coming back to it seven times, probably not the best idea. Well, I mean, that's the thing. And I'm sure we've talked about this many times because it's the underlying flaw of the mirror universe is that like the, the more, it, the, the more you differ from that episode of the, of the original series, yeah. the less sense any of this makes. Yeah, because, again, the fact that all these characters would all be operating in the same place and still interacting with each other. Mm. Like, how is Worf here and not on some mirror universe of the Enterprise D? I, like, yeah, I, don't, that would, I don't know. I mean, that would make sense if they had ever done a mirror universe oh, wait, episode the, of TNG. Except the Federation so. collapsed, so never mind. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, whatever. I, I, I uh, It hurts my head. Anyway, Rom is not the guy to point this out is our point. No, I like if they had Quark doing it sarcastically, like yeah, I wouldn't have cared. Be... I wouldn't have cared as much because, like you know, there wouldn't also be the combined anno- being annoyed by Rom thing. Yeah, but really, the main thing, and you pointed this out, and I've pointed this out before, is how casual and blasé everyone is about going to the mirror unit. Like, up, oh, it's. Uh, I guess we're just gonna go over there. Like, it's a a room you walk into. Yeah. Like, uh, like the Nagus wants to open trade negotiations with another universe. Yeah. Like what? what? <laughs> and uh, incidentally, what are you going to? What are you going to trade with them? Like curved well, knives? They need, they need cloaking devices. They're they're set they, on curved knives, obviously. <laughs> I guess they need uh, cloaking devices. Yes. Which you know, but, even though the Defiant has one, they know what they are. Mm-hmm. I, well, I don't. <sighs> yeah. I really. <sighs> Yeah, I was going over memory. Like I said, I was going over memory alpha for the last episode, and the writers really, really hated Prodigal Daughter. It was like it, they they all sort of unanimously said that it was the weakest episode of the season. Yeah, they I said every to, season we have an episode that we're not happy with, and this was mm-hmm. this one. Really, I put it to you, sir, that you should have looked one episode down. Yeah, because this is. And this was easily avoidable. Mm-hmm. All you had to do is not do another Mirror Universe episode. Yeah, you didn't want to do it. We don't want to watch it. There, presumably, and, there is some like some segment of the fandom that is really into seeing this over and over and over. I guess, like, but I, I if I recall, it. there's a series of romantic novels set in the Mirror Universe about uh, Intendant Kira getting it on with a bunch of ladies. Yeah, but we've seen that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also. Apparently, Nana was not happy that they wrote her as bisexual when she said, the only reason I flirted with other Kira is because she was me, not because she was a chick. She's like, I got no problem playing a gay character. I got no problem, you know, kissing a lady. Mm. It's just I don't see intended Kira as bisexual at all. 
that that kind of cheapens the fact that she was into herself because she's herself. See, I I saw that as uh, intended Kira seeing Esri, uh, the uncomfortable uh, gay chick who is attracted to this very powerful, psychotic woman, and mm. using that to get something out of her. That could be. I you know I will say this for intended Kira, she will definitely use sex to get what she wants. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, on the other hand. We saw from her very first appearance, mm-hmm. she had a hot naked dude and a hot naked chick mm-hmm. attending to her in the bath or whatever. Yeah, no. Like, well, she's always been pretty clearly bisexual to me, but... See, my whole thing has always been the only person she's attracted to is her. Well, no, I think she's attracted to everyone. I think, as you pointed out when we were watching this, she's mm. she's basically this universe's sex couch. <laughs> oh, sex couch. <laughs> the Adventures of Sex Couch and Norvo. <laughs> There's your DS9 spinoff. Oh, God. This Norvo and the Sex Couches was easily my favorite 80s punk band. <laughs> uh, so did you manage to scrape up a good thing in all this mess? Uh, duh, all the girls in the show that I'm attracted to are all making out with each other. Yeah, that's that is that is not a bad thing. No, um there's a there's some quark stuff in here that I actually kind of like. Um there's a scene where Quark does his nightly prayers. Mm-hmm. Getting back to my uh that thing I like about Quark where it turns out he's super fucking religious. Yeah. Except their religion is money. Yes. No, there's a scene where he prays to what I am pretty sure was a painted Quark cookie jar. Mm-hmm. Uh and then he sticks some latinum in its ear cuz of course. Um mm-hmm. But I, I like seeing that sort of look into uh, into uh, Ferengi religion, where it's just like he has to pro- he asks for things and then provides bribes for them. Yeah, but where does that money go? That I was wondering that. Like, do you? In fact, you have that note. I wasn't yeah. trying to step on your point. No, here, no, right? I no, no. I wanted to get to that. It's like, does 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 he ship it home at the end of the month, or like, does he just keep it? Do is they it... believe that it goes to the what is he called the exchequer? Uh, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, does he believe that it goes to, you know, Rom? Nova Bilby? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I... Uh, and there's also... I I like... Uh, there's a scene where Ezri's just want, just wants to know why Quark and Rom just don't go home. Yeah. And Quark's like, I can't. Gotta save the Nagus. Like, well, what? I mean, he's their, he's their king. Yeah, it's like, well, what do you... Like, why? What's he gonna... Like, the guy's loaded, right? He's gonna pay you. Well, I mean, he is loaded, but no. Yeah. I will no. likely he'll, see nothing. He'll out of say this. that he's gonna, and then he won't. Yeah. That's probably his move. <laughs> yep. Just you guys can probably relate to that here in the mirror universe, mm-hmm. where the check just everyone... never shows up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my good thing. Hey, Hardu must have forgotten to mail it. I'll get it to you as soon as I can. Damn you, May Hardu! You're embarrassing me in front of Quark again. <laughs> my good thing. Jeffrey Combs has played, like, two different recurring characters. He had one other guest spot, but he's played two different recurring characters, mm-hmm. Brunt and uh, Wayun, yes. on the show. But this is actually, like, the fourth or fifth character we've seen. Mm-hmm. Because he played, like, two or three different Wayuns, and now he's got another Brunt. Just yep. the, the, the range on this guy. And they're all it, unique. Yeah. This is Brunt. Like, he's recognizably Brunt, not just because of all the makeup, yep. but because of the voice and the way he talks, like, the, the things that he says, but also, he's entirely different. It's it's really good. Yep. Like, I don't know how this guy manages to find so many subtle grades of what are essentially very broad characters. Yeah, well, it's like before, when he played, like, you know, when he played dueling Wayuns. Like, it's amazing how he can... Yeah, they had a whole scene where they were talking to each other. Yeah. And it felt like two different people talking to each other. Yeah, no, it's a, the man is an incredible actor. Yeah. And Brunt, FCA, we've only ever seen, you know, like <laughs> As in this universe being a dick. Mm-hmm. And suddenly here he is being a, you know. And and as you point out in your summary, it's basically because they're out of guys. Yep. Hey, hey Jeffrey, we haven't given you anything in a couple of weeks here. <laughs> but Never did it, get around to, uh, never did get around to Gul Dukat, though. No. Um... One thing uh, I was I was reading uh, in Memory Alpha, and I've read this before. Andrew Robinson hates Mira Garrick a lot. That makes me so happy because Mira Garrick yeah. is terrible. He is. He minces around, and he's just he's uh, he's terrible. He is like a he is like the side villain from like an eighties cartoon, where he's yeah. just sitting next to Worf, going, "Whatever you say, your maliciousness." 
Yeah. No, it's it's awful. And um, the thing is, he, he likes playing Garrick kind of subtle mm-hmm. and kind of like, I mean, there's nothing subtle about Garrick. But on the other hand, there kind of is. Yes. And he, like, uh, Amanda and I were talking about this, and it was like, the the best thing in the world for Mirror Garrick to be is a swashbuckling hero. Yeah. And, un, like, unquestionably a hero with no anti-hero tendencies, with no, like, like no dark side, just the, the hands on hips, I'll save you all, ha ha! <laughs> like, that would be the exact opposite of Garrick, and I bet Andrew Robinson would have loved playing God, it. I want to see that now ladies man like swinging in Errol Flynn style like flying around space on his own ship yeah sword fighting with with like uh, intendant war for whoever yep and just like like come on escape while I blow this up or you know whatever (laughs) yeah he he would do a lot of that and it could be crazy over the top because everything over there is I'm here to save you Julian but that's of course he would be there to save Julian Mm -hmm. But that's that's the she and I kind of started riffing on that, and that would totally be like a good mirror. Guy. That sounds amazing. Yeah, we'll, we'll never get no. That. <laughs> you know what's sad is that like if Andrew Robinson was listening to this show, he'd just be all like, "Hmm, yeah." If only I tried to tell them that twenty years ago, but they wouldn't listen to nope. me. Nope, just wanted him to be an idiot. <clears throat> like, oh, I talked about well, this yeah. briefly. Um. They, there's literally a scene where he goes to he goes to kill all the Ferengi, and they just go, "Well, you know, our you're not so great. Our Garrick would have had us tortured and giving out information by now." And he's he literally might as well be be going, "Well, here, you hold the knife and show me how yeah. Garrick would cut my throat." Yep, that is that is very much how it plays out. Like it's, seriously, it's yeah, Mir Garrick, you're an idiot. Yep, not good. I guess that's how you differ from uh, regular Garrick. Yep. Ugh. Uh, what else? I fucking hate this episode. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. Uh, what else? I do have more points and shit. I, oh, I, uh, I like... Worf... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Worf has some beetle snuff and sneezes. That's hilarious. Oh, that leads to my quote. Sinuses. That may be the shortest quote we've ever had. Mm-hmm. I really didn't want to spend any time on it at all. Fair enough. Um, I kind of like Brunt as the only sane man in the Mirror Universe. Yeah, like it's not just but, that he's—it's not just that he's a decent person, although he is. Yeah, it's just like he's constantly—it's like if you threw like a regular person into this insane universe that just doesn't work anymore. Like, yeah. no, come on, I just want to make a living and save the woman I love. Yeah, it's like it doesn't work with our guys anymore because like they're just yeah. used to it. Yeah, but he's just—he's just sort of this normal person who's just like, I got to do this stuff, and you know, I got to help people, and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he gets stabbed in the gut. Of course he does, mm-hmm. with a very curvy knife. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so it can stab you and betray you at the same time. <laughs> of course. I do like that Mirakira mm-hmm. is obsessed with getting Tarak Nor back, yep. just like Dukat wants DS9. Yep. I don't know if that's deliberate, but I like it. Mm-hmm. No, she she wants uh, she wants uh, Tarak Nor back, and then she wants to make out with herself. Right. <laughs> wow, she maybe this is why we don't have Gul Dukat. We don't need because one. Because she is Gul yeah. Dukat. She's literally Gul Dukat. She wants she wants to oppress the Bajoran people, own DS9 and make out with Kira. Yep. Uh there's a point where I mean there's some really bad dialogue in this. Yes, there yeah. is. Oh my god. I wrote it down. We're fighting for our freedom, for our very lives. Uh, uh, it's ironic, isn't it? No. No. No, it's not. I do like that Julian and Miles are BFF across the multiverse. Yeah, that's though. just that's that's eternal. Like no matter. Although, although I also have a note here: is alternate Julian not genetically enhanced? That's a good question, actually. Which means he's like, and and you know, we were we were called out for being insensitive to people with learning disorders, and I don't mean it this way. Yeah. But doesn't that mean he's a bit slow? Yeah, you would think, right? Like. Because the idea was he he did not do well in school. He just he wasn't very bright. Well, that's so why he, does that, that mean that's why he became a pirate. Yeah, this Julian just isn't very bright. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, or anyway. like, fuck, I, or his parents are just jerks who took a man of regular intelligence and <laughs> and just assumed he was slow. That could be. Which I wouldn't put it past his parents, honestly. Well, his dad anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all I have. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I hate this episode. (laughs) There's a dude that looks like Snake Plissken for about ten seconds. Uh, who's that? 
Oh, I forgot about this. The fucking yes. scene right at the beginning when they steal Martok's cloaking device, which, by the way, like, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> but Yes, he is. Yes. But, like, they cloak the cloaking device so that they can have a hilarious mime sequence. I, that didn't bother Oh, me. God, I was so pissed off. Nah, and then I went to Memory Alpha to see uh, <laughs> to see if Armin was all like, yeah, I love doing that. It's classic comedy. Uh-huh. No, no such luck on this case. Nope. Ugh. He often does that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I think that's it. Yeah. So uh, we're we're good for a couple of years now. The mirror universe can't hurt us now for uh, for at least two years. Mm, I think. Good. So it, it will it will be back though. Really burned out that concept that I was actually quite fond of at the beginning. Yeah, and that's what I said from the beginning is like, I, okay, I like this one, but I remember this getting old. And yeah, I was right about that. Like I'm I've been wrong about so many things. Yeah. So, but I was right about the mirror universe overstaying its welcome uh-huh. by a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot. Yeah. All right. So anyway, that's it for this week. Yep. Next next week, we will not be in the Mirror Universe, so that's good. Next week, hopefully better episodes? Probably. All right. Um, I mean, they must be, right? Almost certainly. Uh, coming up soon is our big Voyager show slash five-year anniversary show mm-hmm. at the Pocket Theater in Seattle, uh, August 22nd. Uh, the uh, we're, we're doing a screening of the episodes at starting at three, and the recording should start around five. And uh, we hope you can make it there because uh, it's a pretty exciting time for us. New, new frontiers. New, not new frontier, but uh, no, you know, new frontier. Although, if you want, I will talk about those. Sure. And um, you know, a great jumping on point if you haven't really been keeping up with the show. Yep. And uh, you know, a party because it's our fifth anniversary. We've been doing this for almost five years now. Yep. So. Uh, Good chance to pat ourselves on the back. Indeed it is. And with that, we're going to go now. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.